Hello, my lovelies. You are now listening to The Vow, Voice of Women. The intention of this podcast is to empower women through sharing of real life stories. We have a fab lineup of inspiring, kick-ass, real, dedicated women. We're going to get down and dirty. What has made these women successful? What makes them tick? How do they handle conflict? And what might they eat in a day? So here we go. today. Welcome, Stephanie. Thank you. And Stephanie and I have uh, been trying to get together now for, oh, probably a couple months and our schedules have aligned and then misaligned and then COVID happened and and we're here today and I'm really happy that you're here. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So uh, for those of you who do not know Rides Like a Mother, that's her Instagram handle. Stephanie is one of the top mountain bike BMX riders in Canada. She is a female champion and I am sitting in front of this woman and she's this beautiful blonde tall like how tall are you uh 5'10 yeah like she's amazing she has Elle McPherson's body just FYI and so talk to us about being a champion in a male-dominated world and what has that been like for you um it's it's had its highs and lows. Uh, as a woman, you receive a lot more attention, but you also feel the need to prove yourself so much more. Um, and things have changed too. I mean, over the course of 20 years as I've, as I've been riding, I got a lot of attention when I was younger. And then actually I went to chiropractic college and I kind of went underground for a while because I was tired of the industry. Um, it's a lot of hype and a lot of who's who. Um, when I came back, there was social media. And all of a sudden, I'm battling social media and all these new upcoming riders who were receiving so much attention because they were riding this new wave. And so I found it it was really, really hard to, again, find my place in the industry because there are all these new names. And there's only ever room in the industry for a couple, for a couple girls. Like, it's very strange. But... Um, the industry and the sponsors will always hang their, their, you know, flags on these few recognized women, whether or not they are the, they're the cream of the crop. Right. So, um, if you, you know, like I could name five women to anybody in the industry and they'd be like, Oh, she's amazing. She's amazing. But they don't know so many other women who are killing it, like just doing phenomenal things because they just don't have the recognition online yet. Oh, so what I'm hearing you say is that it's a lot about like who you are on social media and your image Mm -hmm. more so maybe than your talent. So in a lot of extreme sports, this is kind of a running trend, um, like snowboarding, BMX is a, it's a little bit of a popularity contest, which is really unfortunate because that's not, that's it's just not um, telling of their talent. Mm-hmm. Um, and now like BMX is in, in the Olympics and you're starting to get real rankings. So that's making a big difference. But mountain biking still is is a little bit behind. And so it's very just industry owned and nobody really cares outside of that. 
But within the industry, it's just, it's just, again, the who's who of, you know, mountain biking. So talk to me then, because I obviously do not know a lot about mountain biking. And for our listeners, like, explain to us how rigorous and intense mountain biking is. Because I think, oh, mountain biking, you know, I'm on a bike, I'm going through the mountains. And I know a little bit about it because I know you a little bit and I follow you on Instagram. But please explain to our listeners how difficult it is. And I actually see it. I saw a scar on your elbow, a pretty big one. And so I'm guessing I'm guessing it's tough. Um, so I do slip style and dirt jumping and that's all about tricks and big air, big jumps, big drops. Um, it's very, it's an extreme sport and there's a lot of risk and consequence. And, um, last year I beat myself up so much. I went through a a bilateral knee surgeries. I had broken my collarbone. I'd been in the hospital multiple times just for x-rays, like a puncture to my abdominal muscles and so it's it's a big part of the sport and continuing to try and push yourself it means that you're going to make mistakes it means that you're gonna hit your head it means that you're gonna bleed like it's part of it's just part of the the sport and anybody knows that but it's you know we we talk about it and it's like but it's something we love so much and it's hard to back off so it's a passion Mm -hmm. and so how did you how did this sport find you or how did you find this sport because it's not you know when you hear about extreme sports um yeah it's just not a a sport that you know you wake up in the morning as a little girl and say I want to be a professional mountain bike BMXer Mm -hmm. (laughs) nowadays kids are starting like my daughter she is seven by the time she started doing tricks on her bike wow yeah I was 20 when I picked up a mountain bike so I'm mentoring these little girls who are just like killing it. They're going to be so much better than I am because they were given this these opportunities. But starting at 20, I, I dabbled in uh, cross country a little bit, then downhill. And, and then I just found kind of free riding and dirt jumping and I loved it. And I did receive a lot of attention for it because I was one of the only girls doing it. And it kind of like fed me to, to keep on going and... Um, to, this is kind of a, a odd story, but when I was in my mid twenties, I lost my fiance and my way of grieving was to throw myself into mountain biking. So I took something I was already fairly good at and I, I pushed myself like to the limits because I didn't care. I didn't care if I hurt myself and I actually ended up breaking my back and ending up in the hospital, but that fueled my drive to do even more. And so there were all these little things that were pushing me to be better and to do more. And um, there, it's just been a, it's been a fun, it's really just been a fun journey. So you started when you were 20 and how old are you now? 40. You're 40. Oh, we both, oh yeah, we both turned 40 this year. I usually have to ask Chris. I forget. (laughs) (laughs) FYI, we both turned 40 this year. When is your birthday? December. Okay. Oh, so you turned 40 in December. Oh, so you... No, I did turn 40. Oh, you just did. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're both a part of the 40 club. So you are now... Are you still riding professionally or are are you coaching now or training? No, I'm still riding professionally. Uh, Last year was one of my best years, but... Amazing. Yeah. Why? Um... 
Well, I did. So I won Canadian championships in freestyle BMX, uh, which was really cool. And it was the first one ever to be held in Canada because wow. of the Olympics. And did a couple world, or did one world cup before COVID. Oh no, that was last year. <laughs> no, that's right. So yeah, last season was my best season. So I, I won Canadian championships and then I organized a women's slipstyle tour because they didn't have anything for women. So I organized that and I, I won that, which kind of sounds funny, but I mean, there's a lot of girls doing it and nobody has put any kind of competitions together wow. for women. So, so you're like, like, I'm going to do this. Yeah. I wanted like, and that's kind of been my drive for a long time in the mountain bike industry is to create something for women to be a part of because as, until that point, I'd always been competing with the guys and that's hard. It's a, it's a strange dynamic. Right? So on that note, one of my questions was, do you race against men and women? And you just said, yes. So what a rare sport that you compete against men and women. So talk to me about that because, you know, in, you know, historically men and women sports are very separate and this mm-hmm. does not sound that way. Uh, but I think a lot of extreme sports did start out that way because okay. there weren't enough women to create a category. So even in BMX racing, there's still girls who will have to enter or be with like in a heat with guys just because there's not enough of them to race against each other. But in my, you know, in, in slipstyle and dirt jumping, um, when I first started, it was always against the guys. There was, it was just me and the guys forever. And then there started being a couple more girls and then there started being more female event organizers who would try and develop the women's riding scene and hold camps and competitions. But there were still no straight up big competitions. Like these were, the girls' competitions were always on smaller jumps and they didn't receive as much recognition. And so what I wanted to do is bring the, the women's riding to the same level and say, you know what, like we're here, if we're gonna do this, give us a give us a, a platform to ride on. And it was incredible how the women stepped up. It was so awesome. Amazing, mm-hmm. I love that. So there's a little bit more equality since Stephanie Ninchka has been in the sport, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, but I've also, I mean, it's hard. It's been a struggle. Like I've created rifts with other organizers because I'm like, this is not okay. You need to have equal prizing. You need to have equal recognition. Like, why is this happening? Mm-hmm. And and like, even with one of the biggest events in, in the world, Crankworks and Whistler, last year, it was just, like I said, I... I hurt myself so I was injured so much of last year trying to get to this point where when I showed up at Crankworks I could pull all these new tricks and I was so excited to throw them like I was just I was I was amped it was something I'd worked for all year and we got there and they they totally forgot to recognize the women in one event um, there were so many girls who were upset about the way the course was built because it was like the guys, these professional guys were like, this is the hardest course we've ever ridden. And it was our first opportunity to actually ride in Crankworks no. on that. And so they threw us onto this course and they're like, have at it. And we're like, whoa, like, yes, we want to be treated equally, but 
the guys started with these tiny little jumps. Like when the guys started riding, they were on these little jumps, these little ramps, doing little tricks, and they built up from there. And now you expect us to jump in at this level that's, I mean, it's reachable, but it's still... You have to train for it oh, and yeah. work on it. And I mean, you've got all these girls coming from different areas who probably, like half of them had never even had an opportunity to ride anything like that. They didn't know what bikes to bring. They didn't know what gears to be in. Like they had no idea. So everybody was trying to figure out what was going on and and then expected to compete on it, like on a world stage. So what happened? Um, so for this one called Speed and Style, it's uh, tricks and racing, like at the same time. The girls, there was one, so there's two, uh, two core, or two, trails side by side and you have to race down them and one of them was so hard to pick up speed so we all ended up saying hey we're just going to do a time trial we're not going to race against each other we'll do a time trial on this one side of the course that everybody can make it down because otherwise there would have been a lot of girls dropping out and we didn't want that to happen so we had to change the entire format just so that the girls could ride and then later that night there was the best trick competition and I mean, it was after a day of like riding for six hours straight in the hot sun, racing, super stressful, showed up again at eight at night. That's, you know, the lights are going out. And so we're riding almost in the dark and there's thousands of spectators. Two girls showed up, myself and one other girl. Everybody else dropped out because they're like, I can't trick on that jump. That jump's too big. I rode too hard this morning. I'm tired. I want to save myself for my next event so two of us were there with all the guys and I I didn't do everything I'd trained to do which was really disappointing to me but I I did well like I was happy with my riding and then that's at the end they awarded the men and then everybody walked away and I was I was just devastated devastated de like I, I called Chris. I was in tears. He's like, what did you break? Did you crash? Are you okay? Are you in the hospital? Like, I was just, he's like, he thought the worst thing had happened. Yeah. And I'm like, it did. This is yeah. the worst thing that could happen is to have women completely forgotten, especially after they usually, they usually use me to get in touch with all the other riders. So they say, Stephanie, who would be good riders for this and so I give them a bunch of names and then they ask what kind of juniors like do we have enough juniors to run this I'm like yes I'll give you names so they use me a lot to help them out and then you know I come in and it's like they just forgot wow and it was they felt awful and they knew they knew they that knew they dropped the ball they totally knew and they knew that I was going to come after them because I have before yeah. Because this is, it's not okay anymore. Yeah. And they say, oh, we do more for the women than anyone else in the sport. And, and the rest of us, the organizers and the other women who are riding are like, you haven't done anything for us. Everything that we've accomplished has been on our own. And so that's kind of dealing with the male egos because yeah. you've got the big male organizers and, you know, they just, they are so proud of what they do and yet they don't realize that they're really missing out, I think, on a 
<laughs> some something that needs to develop in order for the sport to grow anymore. So, I mean, I remember one of the professional guys saying, you know, one day this sport will be the Olympics and we'll have, um, like, we're so excited for the steps we've taken to get there. And I, I kind of wanted to say, wait a minute, like, you can't, you can't do that without the women. Yeah. Like, you're so, so focused true. on what you guys are doing and you don't care about how like the rest of the sport and it's really hard too because I feel like the men have a big part in what what happens with the women and they should be encouraging and supportive and trying to develop our side as well but they they're very they're young they don't have they don't have that big big picture it's just uh you know they get a lot of attention for, for what they do a lot of them are able to ride as careers um and just ride and compete and the girls can't do that and we're kind of left behind and we're like you can't go anywhere without us you know <laughs> well it sounds like stephanie that the sport is still evolving very much so and i think it sounds like they're very lucky to have the women are very lucky to have you as their advocate and uh you've it sounds like you've turned you know you've started as a young rider you've honed your skill and now that skill is still you're still you know you know, using your skill to compete and win, but you're developing your leadership uh, within a very male-dominated organization. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you said something that was so profound. You said, you know, the the men need you. If they want to make this an Olympic sport, like if mountain bike, you know, BMX is going to be an Olympic sport, they, they kind of need the women. Mm -hmm. And so uh, don't forget about the little guys, the mm -hmm. little women. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well... Um, have you seen that there has been an evolution, though, since you've started? Like, if you look at the last 20 years, there has to be a ch there. You, you must have seen a change. Uh, huge in terms of huge in terms of the number of women riding. Yes. Um, in general, like Whistler just put up a statistic that said there was a 25 percent increase of women since last since the year before which is huge. That is huge. Um, and now you, you're, you're going to see so many more women in line and, and it's really exciting. Um, there's a lot more women doing what I do now and the amount of juniors even that I'm, that I'm mentoring coming up into the sport, like they're just starting to kind of pop up from everywhere now, which is really neat because they're starting to see, whoa, there's, there's other people doing this. I want to do that. And there's other girls to train with. So, why wouldn't I use that opportunity? But, uh, you know, back when I started, it was like, well, you ride with the boys, you don't ride with anybody. Yes. So it was a lot more intimidating. Um, but yeah, and so the amount of clinics that are trying to get women into riding has changed immensely. The amount of women who are riding has changed. It's still, when you kind of look up again at what I'm competing in, there's... I mean, there's such a small percentage of women who are actually doing that, but there's still more than there were 20 years ago. Like 20 years ago, I, I, or maybe 15 years ago, I ran an event and it was, it was a big event. Like I got a lot of money, like BC Dairyland sponsored us with $20,000. Like we built a course, like a, my friends built a course out at Hemlock. Like it was the only women's slope style event that had ever happened at that point and so I'm trying to find riders for that and it was funny because 
they just, I put, I kind of put out a, a call on, I don't even know if it was Facebook at that time or whatever, but I was like, do you know any riders who would do this? And somebody would be like, oh, I know this girl from Kamloops, you should call her. Oh, I know this girl from Roslyn, you should call her. I know this girl from California. So all these girls are just one person in every odd town or state or, or province. And so we all came together and most people had never met each other before, didn't know who each other were or was, but they were all these incredible riders who had developed kind of on their own in their own little pockets of the industry and then came together to, to ride. Very neat. It was so neat. You guys are all trailblazers of your, yeah. of your, you know, your craft. Mm -hmm. So back to that uh, scar on your, on your yeah. elbow, maybe it's still healing, but for, for all of the moms listening today and all the little girls, cause I'm listening to you and I'm like, okay, I want my little girl to get into sports. I want them to be athletic. This sounds a little dangerous. So um, how do you handle injury um, from a physical and emotional standpoint? And I know you've had some trauma in your industry um, in the last year. So how, how do you, you know, more emotional trauma even. Yeah. So how do, how do you handle that physical and emotional? Um, I didn't do a good job last year because I was I was just I had such high expectations of myself. I wanted to go go go, so I wouldn't be fully in, uh, recovered before I'd start training again. And you know it it affects how you ride. You don't ride your best, but I, I had this idea in my head that I had to ride, and I still like Chris always makes fun of me because I have FOMO all the time, and so. Actually, yesterday, no, it was two days ago. Um, so I have a pinched nerve in my neck from probably crashing. And then I had a girl, one of my juniors was coming through town. So I got all my girls together to go ride at Beeline and we rode. And I ended up crashing just because I wasn't supposed to be riding, but I rode anyways. And I got more whiplash on top of my oh, neck. And then I, that's when I got this and there's one on my back. And then we went out to the dirt jumps in Chestermere and rode there for a couple hours. But then my friends were like, hey, we're going out to Kananaskis to do a hike and bike. Will you join us? And I'm like, yes, because I didn't know when I was going to do that again. So I rode like four hours in the morning and then went and did this two-hour hike a bike up a mountain. Like it was like bikes on your back, hiking up, like oh doing a rock sakes. scramble. And so I was like, I'm not riding my bike for five days. But I, like, you know, I probably you won't. Caved. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, like, I can't even turn my head right now. But, like, it's really hard because I, I just want so badly to be doing it. You love it. Yeah. You love what you do. So, so like, in, in that, like, handling injury, I mean, you've had some very serious injuries over mm -hmm. the last couple of years. So you just have to, like, let your body heal. Yeah. And, and do you get physio and massage and... Yeah, I don't do that. Very oh, you well. don't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know what I do find is it's a really like this is where my family comes into play huge. And COVID has been awesome. Like I've really loved COVID. But being like having that, having my family to kind of come home to and to recover with them and to have them loving on me and caring about me. And it's just it's such a nice break from my usual pace so like I I get to recover at home and it just means more time with my family and more time with my kids and uh the like the tr 
the thing that happened, you know, earlier in the season that I had told you about, um, I was going to like post-traumatic stress uh, therapy for that for a while. And it was okay, but it didn't seem to be helping me a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing that did help is shortly after that, I couldn't go to therapy anymore because of COVID and being at home with my family was the best thing that I could have done. Mm-hmm. Like that's what I should have done in the first place. Um, just being able to be at home with my family and be with my kids and my mm-hmm. husband and have them just be my hundred percent focus. Yeah. So it's, I feel really blessed that I've got that to look to look at when I'm not looking at mountain biking because I know a lot of people, everything's mountain biking. That's all. That's yeah. their whole life. And then outside of that, it's like, well, what what else do you have? Yeah. Like you don't. They don't have an education. They don't have a family. You know, like they've got a lot of friends. Everything's in the mountain bike industry, though. There's, I don't feel like there's an outlet yeah. outside of that. And I found that that's been my lifesaver. So their family is your therapy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So speaking um, to education career, can you, so I'm sure many of our listeners are like, okay, does she make a living off this? Is this her full-time gig? Does she have a career outside of this? So I know you are a wife and a mother. So maybe tell us a little bit about Chris and the kids and then tell us about what you do outside of mountain biking. So my husband is wonderful. He lets me buy, ride bikes a lot. <laughs> and he takes care of the kids a lot. Um, I'm really, really lucky with that. Um, I get guilt trips a little bit, but uh, it goes both Rightfully ways. Rightfully so. Yeah. Um, my kids are eight, six, and... Wait, eight, six, and four. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. yeah. So you have three kids. Yeah. That's amazing. And they all ride bikes. And they're all at the point now where we can go out to Canmore to the dirt jumps or Chestermere or the bike park. And they just go shred and I do my riding. So amazing. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been super fun. Like, I don't stay at home. Like, usually in the mornings we'll get up and go to the skate park together for like an hour or two. And just love, like, enjoy our time together before it gets busy and then go home. You know, it's it's really fun. But... Um, I also, so I'm trying to, now that my youngest is going into kindergarten, I'm going to start trying to study for my Canadian board exams. So I'm a chiropractic doctor licensed in the States, but I now want to try and do it in Canada. Oh, amazing. I didn't actually know that. Yeah. Good for you, Stephanie. But I kind of went, went on hiatus once I started having kids. Of course. Um, so I'm trying to get back into that, but in the meantime, I actually run I own a concierge service in Calgary so we do a lot of like organizing and property maintenance and uh, home services like all kinds of stuff uh, for usually young professionals or people who don't have kids but are extremely busy or people who own multiple houses so I get to do lots of stuff and a lot of it I can do from home with the kids which is great and what's your company called? Lifestylists. Lifestylists. Service. Concierge yeah. service. Mm-hmm. And how long have you been doing that for? Since 2011. Oh, wow. So many years. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. And so <laughs> uh, Stephanie and I met through our husbands. Mm-hmm. And uh, our husbands uh, know each other quite well through the industry. And then Stephanie and I have um, gotten to know each other a little bit through that. And uh, I know um, Chris is like 
you know, your number one fan. He's very supportive of you, and uh, and that's amazing. So you have three kids. You run a concierge service. You uh, ride like a mother. You <laughs> are a Canadian female champion mountain bike BMXer, and you are studying for your board exams to be certified as a chiropractor in Canada. Boom! Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. And you're leading your industry. And uh, you know, we've had many chats about you know being a female in your industry and the challenges. And I think Stephanie, it really sounds like um, you're going to be a big driver in getting uh, the females. Uh, up to the level of they need to be and hopefully in making this an Olympic sport. So it's been awesome having you here. And thank you for uh, telling us about your background and your family. Where did you grow up? Beaver Lodge, Alberta. Where the heck is that? <laughs> it's about eight hours north by Grand Prairie. Wow. And so siblings, where are your parents now? I have three brothers, uh, one older, two younger. My mom's in Vancouver taking care of my 100-year-old grandma. My dad's got a farm up in Beaver Lodge, and my brother, one of them is in Edmonton, the other two are still in Grand Prairie. Okay, so you're kind of spread all over mm-hmm. the place. Yeah. And uh, tell us about what you have vowed or promised to yourself. That one's kind of hard because I have two um, that are contradictory. That's <laughs> so okay. one is to get mountain biking to a place where I feel comfortable backing away and knowing that I've done my job, knowing that the women have a platform to compete and they're receiving the recognition they deserve. So that's one. Um, the other one though is only doing what makes me happy, what brings me joy. And I mean, what I, what I try and do for the industry has been, it's been long. It's been, there's been a lot of suffering. It's been stressful Um, and sometimes I'm like, I don't even want to do this anymore. Mm -hmm. Like I just, I want out, but at the same time I, I see, I have this vision and I have to get, I have to get it there. So, uh, those can be, those can be difficult to balance. And Mm -hmm. again, Chris is, Chris is really good at being like, Hey, listen, maybe it's time to, you need to back off a little bit. Like I, you know, he's really supportive, but he's also saying, you know, let's, I think what you should do is just start putting more and more time into these young girls. This is where the sport's really going to come into play. You know, you you pioneered it, but maybe that's all you can do. Now what you need to do is let the next wave come in and keep driving and support them. So that's especially, I mean, 40 and it's it hurts to get injured. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm sick of it. I'm tired. <laughs> And sometimes I like I'd love to wake up and not like be bleeding all over the sheets or like have my kids so change like my dressing. Too, yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, sometimes I think, wow, it'd be nice to wake up and not hurt in the morning. But like I also love that part too. Mm-hmm. So it's it's I think it it'll just have to happen naturally. Well, and and maybe a part of your journey, like maybe maybe your vision might not turn out the way that you had hoped, like meaning, you know, getting it to such a recognized sport for women. However, maybe mentoring and and training these young women that come up, they're going to be the voice Mm -hmm. and they're going to be the voice because you got them there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it just might not be exactly how you pictured it, which we we can't plan out our lives. There's no perfect plan. And it may get there, just not in the way that you had anticipated. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. 
So to close, would you like to share with us your charity of choice that you would like to spotlight, a charity that is near and dear to you or that you'd like to promote? Uh, one I, I try and volunteer at and do as much as I can with them is Jumpstart through Canadian Tire. So what they do is they provide equal opportunities for sport for women, for girls. So um, I've done I've done Jumpstart. They've got like a, a couple camps that happen in Calgary and around the area. And you're able to work with all kinds of girls from different, I mean, different income levels, different cultures, different ages, and they all get to, to enjoy sport like on an equal playing ground. Wonderful. And I think that that's just so important. Um, like you said, it's hard to see your kids kind of getting into like a, an extreme sport, but I also think that introducing kids to sport allows them mm -hmm. to kind of see what they're good at and, and where their interests may lie, you know, it can change it. I mean, sport changes lives. So I even think of, you know, every time I see my trainer, I like hate him for the hour, but when I'm done, it's like endorphins. It's the most amazing thing. Mm -hmm. And it's the same for children, you know, getting out and, and uh, so that's wonderful. So uh, if you want to get involved or learn more about Jumpstart, it's jumpstart.canadiantire.ca. Stephanie, thank you so much for being here today and sharing your story. Thank you, the box and giving you some points that you can apply to your everyday lives. Please subscribe to our podcast, rate us. If there's any suggestions you can make or feedback, we would love to hear from you. Thanks for tuning in.